This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. All right, welcome to the Brooklyn Nets Lose Game 3 podcast, the Drive Home podcast. I'm in my car. I may have lost a, a little bit of my voice. And honestly, I don't even want to freaking do this podcast. The only reason I did it is because God knows how many people listen. But as I was walking to my car, some guy seemed nice, had his kids with him. He said, Evan... Are you going to do a podcast? <laughs> and I looked at him with 10 heads. I said, no, not really. I'm not in the mood. I'm not in a good mood. And then the man responded, you know what we need? We need Tobias Harris. And I said, of course we need Tobias Harris. We always knew we needed Tobias Harris. That's why when the Sixers traded for him, it was such a massive disappointment. Now, little did I know at the time that they would trade for him and then he would assault the Brooklyn Nets in a game three with the series tied 1-1 and hit a ton of big shots. Little did I know that. But of course they'd be. Of course Tobias would be a great fit. But the last thing on my mind, until that gentleman brought it up, was about you know who the Nets should acquire in free agency. Because my hope still is, was, is, should be, you know, somehow winning this freaking series. But I'll tell you this. <clears throat> Here's when I didn't feel good. Here's when my negativity was very, very high. It was about 10 minutes before the game. I'm sitting in my seat. I'm checking my phone. My wife is sending me adorable pictures of Jet. Oh, look at him. He's going down the slide. He's having a great time. And I see a text message from a friend of mine who doesn't even like the Nets. He hates the Nets. And all he writes is, wow, no Embiid. And that's how the news was broken to me that that fraud Joel Embiid wasn't going to play in this game. And, you know, that first moment of, oh, that's great. Wow, Joel Embiid's not going to play. That, that's, that's great. That's good news. And then it hit me. Oh, my God. They're being set up for the kill. There's no doubt in my mind they're being set up for the kill. This isn't good. Joel Embiid not playing isn't good because all it means is that Jimmy Butler will step up. Ben Simmons will be more aggressive. Tobias Harris will step up. That big doofus Boban's going to have a big game. And you know what? Greg Monroe will have his moments. Remember, he was in net for five minutes. And all of a sudden, for the first time in this series, all of the pressure was on us. And you could argue, well, the pressure's on you to begin with. You're in your own building after a 1-1 split. Isn't the pressure on you anyway? Sure. But now the pressure was really on. Because now all we're going to hear about is, oh, you had your chance. Joel Embiid was out. What'd you do with that chance? And that vision of failure was permeating my brain. And I just, I didn't feel good. So I took the news of Embiid being out of, yeah, it's an opportunity. Yeah, it's probably a good thing because he's a hell of a player. But B, we're going to blow it. 
and boy, did they blow it. And you know what I want to start with? And let me just preface all of this by saying, yes, the Nets have had a good year. Okay, yes, yes, yes. They've got guys off the scrap heap who've who've played so well, and I've grown to love each and every one of these bastards. That's absolutely true. So you can take my criticisms of these individuals for what they are, criticisms for how they played in Game 3, not criticisms for what they've done the whole season, not criticisms for what I think about them in the future, criticisms for Game 3. Joe Harris sucked. Joe Harris could not get around on a screen against J.J. Redick all freaking night. Joe Harris couldn't get open and hit a shot. Joe Harris sucked, and yet this head coach showed an incredible amount of loyalty to Joe Harris and kept him in the game, I thought, early in this game, way too long. And even late in this game, oh, look, we saw Joe Harris again. So let's start with him. Joe Harris was thoroughly outplayed and outclassed by J.J. Redick, who stuck it to the Nets in a major way. I am having nightmares of J.J. Redick coming off a screen. So let's start with him. Joe Harris was awful. That's number one. Number two, hey, Jared Dudley, your great interview. You got a lot to say. You suck tonight, too. How about that? You were terrible tonight. You spent more time arguing with officials than doing anything positive. Now, it's Jared Dudley. I shouldn't expect that much from him. That's fine. Number three, Spencer Dinwiddie wasn't great. Where was the aggressiveness from Spencer Dinwiddie? Damare Carroll wasn't great. Hey, you know what? I'll save everybody time. Everybody stunk for the most part, except for maybe some bits and pieces outside of Karis LeVert. Hey, dude, make the left already. What are you waiting for? Sorry. I'm crossing Flatbush. I'm on Carlton as I head over towards, you know, the highway so I can go home. So I can go to sleep and think about Boba Maranovich in my brain and J.J. Redick coming off a freaking screen. Karis LeVert was obviously the best player on the floor. And this brilliant head coach, I like him. He's done a great job. Evan, you're not allowed to criticize him because he's been great. I get he's been great. He wasn't great tonight. He wasn't great in game two and he wouldn't call a timeout after during a 21-1 run. And he certainly wasn't great tonight in how long he waited before he went back to Karis LeVert. How long you want to wait, coach? How long you want to stick with Joe Harris? He can't defend me off his screen. You want to make some adjustments? I don't know. Seems like a good idea. Maybe you can make a freaking adjustment here and there. You know what Kenny did right? Kenny went right, and, and, you know, we've talked about this. I've crushed Rondé Hollis Jefferson. He's as bad finishing around the basket as anybody, as anybody. I think he was second worst behind Tyreek Evans, whatever the, the stat was finishing around the basket. But there are times in which when Rondé checks in and they go small, it helps this team. Help this team tonight, no doubt. Good job by Kenny. And when he went to Rondé, they stuck with him and they rode the energy he brought to the floor. Absolutely. Rondé Hollis Jefferson did a fine job tonight. And outside of that spurt that D'Angelo Russell gave this offense in the fourth quarter when I think he scored 11 straight points, I could actually argue Rondé Hollis Jefferson was the second best net tonight. I could argue that. So I'll give Kenny credit for that. I will. 
but I certainly am going to give him crap for how long he waited to go back to Levert, who was outstanding in this game. And you know what? The one thing that will make me sleep well tonight, or at least sleep better tonight, because God knows I'm not sleeping well, is that the Karis Levert story is awesome. It really is. I think back to that night in Minnesota. I think back to that injury. The idea that not only he came back this season, but he's scoring 19 points in a playoff quarter, that's amazing. That's outstanding. And so, yes, that'll make me feel good. But what doesn't make me feel good is they blew an opportunity tonight. Without Joel Embiid, with Greg Monroe, who was in net for 35 seconds this year, they missed an opportunity. And credit to Philly. Ben Simmons' aggressiveness in game two and three has been fantastic for him. He actually made his free throws tonight. That was long before Kenny brilliantly said, let's go play Hack-A-Ben down 13 with four minutes to go, even though Ben Simmons had missed a free throw basically all night. But ah, what the hell? Why not? And look, when you are the Nets and you rely on hitting threes and taking a huge amount of threes, when you have a night like tonight where the threes don't go down, it makes it much more difficult to win. And they needed in that second half for those threes to drop. They never did. Go! You know, I hate schmucks who had a yellow light. It's almost like purposely they slow down and say, you know what I want to do? I want to make this light, but I want to screw the guy behind me. Should I read this guy's license plate? Because now I'm blocking the, the, the walking lane because of this moron. I should read his license plate. I'm not going to do that because I'm not... I'm not that, you know, what's the point? What are you going to do? What, are you going to look up his license plate? Would that be fun for everybody? Play a game, Google it? Not going to do it. I'll tell you, it's a New York plate and the guy's an ass. I'll tell you that. Driving his stupid Camry. Hope he listens to this podcast this morning. Your car is ugly and you don't know how to drive. Where was I? Uh, You want me to be complimentary? You want me to wax poetic? I'll I'll give you some positives, all right? Or else I'm going to drive myself nuts. Uh, The crowd was very good tonight. And what I mean by very good is it was like nothing I've seen in Brooklyn. Uh, The Nets have been mocked to this day. Joe still brings it up, and he should, that they used to pump in faint crowd noise in New Jersey. And the Nets have been an afterthought for many, many years. And obviously, according to a few of the hosts around on my radio station, they still are an afterthought. And they're still, you know, a laughable franchise. And I get that. But tonight's crowd was not laughable. Tonight's crowd was amazing. It was obviously sold out. We knew that. We knew the secondary market was hot for the tickets. But what was encouraging, at least from 2015, the last time they were in the postseason, playing a just horrific horror show against Atlanta in a game six, is that the crowd actually got here on time. And when the national anthem went off, every single seat was filled. And there was a Brooklyn chant, an actual not, you know, pre-planned one that's pumped over the crowd but an actual Brooklyn champ. And the crowd was hot. The crowd was into it. And it's amazing to think this franchise, where they were, not just from a roster standpoint, but from a crowd standpoint, from an energy standpoint, it's amazing to think where they were four years ago. It really is. It's incredible. And from that standpoint, I'm happy and I'm proud. And as many of these people that are bandwagoners, I don't really care because... There's an old saying, beggars can't be choosers. And as Net fans, we have been beggars because we haven't had a lot of fans. We haven't had a real home court. Uh, We haven't had a buzz for any playoff game. You know, they're playing the Miami Heat in the second round of the playoffs. They're playing LeBron James. 
there wasn't any buzz. The buzz was from Miami fans. So that was absolutely a positive tonight. Uh, it was almost surreal. And for any Nick fan that wants to mock me, I would say this. You have to understand where we're coming from, where we have come from, and hopefully where we're going. But with all that said, this sucks. This was a missed opportunity. The Philadelphia 76ers best player is Joel Embiid. Do they have a lot of all-star caliber players on this roster? Absolutely. J.J. Redick had as good of a performance as you'll ever see from him. We mentioned Simmons was much more aggressive. Jimmy Butler had his moments. He was all right. Tobias Harris is the guy who I want, obviously. So their players, their all-star caliber players, stepped up. And they have responded ever since halftime of game number two, a game they had to have in Philadelphia. Now, is this series over? I mean, it's over in that, or is Philadelphia better? Sure. I thought they've been better since the beginning, and the truth is, even without Joel Embiid, it's closer, but they still probably are better. So, yes, I think even if the Nets won today, I would still be thinking Philadelphia is going to win this series, but it is two games to one. They have a game four in their building. Respond. Hit your threes. Expect Embiid to play. Push the tempo. Be aggressive. And how about this idea? Play a little defense. Because they did not play enough defense tonight. I mentioned the threes didn't drop. Absolutely. I mentioned offensively nobody really played well outside of Karis LeVert. But they didn't defend enough. They haven't defended enough. You can't give up 130 points and expect to win. So the good news is game four is in Brooklyn. They can still leave in this series and make it best of two of three. The bad news is if you want to fantasize about winning this series, now you have to fantasize about winning another game in Philadelphia. They have lost home court. Is it over? It's not over, but this was a kick in the, excuse my French, balls. That's what it was. And there's no way to sugarcoat that. And yes, I am sure there will be a podcast or a conversation weeks from now in which I can be calm and rational and so enjoy what 2019 was. It was fun. The progress, uh, the expectations exceeded. All of that great, cuddly BS. But for now, in this moment, as I'm driving back to freaking Westchester at, you know, whatever it is, 11 o'clock at night, I'm allowed to be pissed. And you're allowed to be pissed. And you're allowed to lament the missed opportunity that was Game 3 in Brooklyn. Because that's what it was. And I knew it. And I felt it. But I always feel it because maybe it's Beningo rubbing off on me or maybe it's all the failures I've watched as a sports fan, but you just don't feel like good things are going to happen. And they tease you a little bit. You know, they fall down behind by 17 in the third quarter. They put together another third quarter disaster and they close that quarter on a great run. I think they got it to eight or they got it to nine or whatever the hell it was. And you felt like, all right, they're within striking distance. They have a chance. But this was one of those basketball games, and it happens sometimes, where you never feel you're going to win. You're always playing from behind. And whether that behind range is 
you know, five to nine, which is what it felt like until Philadelphia went on that run in the third quarter. You just, you feel like you're pushing a giant rock uphill and you're never going to climb it because every time the Nets made a run and they would get a little bit closer, Tobias Harris would make a play or Ben Simmons would make a play or J.J. Redick would drill a back-breaking three. And I don't want to bitch about the officials because you know what? There were calls that went the other way and there were calls that went our way. Were there moments of frustration when there's a late whistle? Absolutely. But one thing I liked is they started to finally call those offensive fouls on the big doof Boban. And eventually it got him out of the game. But again, they couldn't take advantage of it. And it was a missed opportunity for this franchise. By the way, I'm finally on the highway. If you're looking for an update, I've realized that I I was always making a left on a flat bush from where I parked. And I realized recently that it's illegal. You can't make a left there. Now, it never mattered because no one was stopping me. There was not an obvious no left-hand turn sign. So what the hell do I know? But I think it was my last time here. There were cops telling me, hey, you can't make a left. I had to go straight. And it basically cost me 15 to 20 minutes of driving time. I should have remembered that when I parked my car. I should have known, hey, maybe you should park in a different place. Since I'm getting here seven hours early, I can park wherever the hell I want. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of getting here seven or eight hours early. I got got pick my damn spot. No one's going to outweigh me. I'm already here. And so I forgot that. And because of that, it cost me 15 to 20 minutes. Usually, I would be well on my way home. And I am. I'm on the highway now. My ETA is in 51 minutes, which is not awful. But I should have remembered that. But I didn't remember that. Instead, I got in my car. I drove to Brooklyn at like 2 o'clock. And I listened to a whole lot of Howard Stern. And I got to tell you, and I don't think it's going to happen, but I want to tell you this. While I was listening to the king of all media, Mr. Howard Stern, he was talking about his book tour he's about to go on. Uh, Howard Comes Again. Howard Stern Comes Again is the name of the book. Can't wait to read it. And Howard was talking about the fact that he's going to go do a book tour. And I shot a text over to Ernie. I said, Ernie, look. I know it's not going to happen. We're just a little old midday show. All right, that's all we are. And as Howard has stated in the past, midday is not real radio. He has said that about those who do midday shows. But can you drop them a note and ask for Howard to come on the show? I understand it won't be a sports interview. I understand Joe will say, bro, what what am I going to ask this guy? But, I mean, Howard breaks all the rules anyway. How great would it be if Howard says, you know what? I'll go on that show. I know it's just the midday show on a sports talk station, but hey, that guy was in the backseat of the car in my movie. I'll do him a solid. So I will tell you this, anyone listening to this podcast still, uh, the effort is going on to somehow miraculously shock the radio world and get Howard Stern on. But Howard relaxes me. You know, I listen to him. I listen to that show and it takes my mind off of sports, you know? It's like sometimes people need to take their mind off the real world. So I listened to Howard and I read the Mueller report. So I did those two things at the exact same time. I don't like the news people telling me the Mueller report. I don't like cable news uh, from both sides dictating me. No, no, I'm going to read the report. I'm a freaking adult. I can come to my own freaking conclusions. I don't need 
MSNBC or Fox or even the freaking Attorney General telling me what the Mueller report says. I'll read it myself. And no, I will not do an Evan Roberts podcast breaking down the Mueller report. Not going to happen. All right? Sorry, not happening. Because trust me, you don't want me to do political podcasts. I'll piss everybody off. You want to know why? Because everybody sucks. How about that? Everybody. I don't like the Democrats, and I certainly don't like this modern Republican Party. I don't like anybody. How about that? So you can't call me a liberal. You can't call me a conservative. You know you can call me? You ready for this? An angry, pissed-off American. That's what you can call me. Anyhow, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, the Nets. They lost game three, and they're down two games to one. And I got a freaking headache. All right, I've had enough. I want to thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast. Uh, Probably soon after game five, you'll get your Brooklyn Nets season recap podcast, since we're probably going to lose the next two games and lose this thing in five. But until then... I appreciate you listening. If you haven't already, you should check out the WFN Producer uh, Roundtable, where we talk to Brian Monzo, producer of Mike's On, Ernie Acosta, the producer of the Little Old Midday Show, and Al Dukes, the producer of the Morning Show, and we went behind the scenes of WFAN. Thanks for listening. I'll try to get home safe. Goodbye.